Hi, it's Jennifer Diane Ghostin, and welcome to Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land. You may have wondered what reunion looks like from an adoptee's point of view, or be embarking upon taking that journey yourself to search for your first family, or simply want confirmation that you are not alone in your experience, wherever you are on the path of healing and pushing through a trauma. Wouldn't it be empowering to have many of your burning questions answered here? My next guest and I go way back over a decade when we met in celebration of the new Illinois adoption law and have stayed in touch through the years. The long list of events we've attended together year after year are too many to mention. Mora is featured in Gene Strauss's film, A Simple Piece of Paper, for the purpose of helping other adoptees access a right to their original birth certificate. I cheer her as a champion for equal rights for all adoptees. Her willingness to share her story of search and reunion wasn't an easy journey, but she knows that this thing called adoption is bigger than any of us. In this episode, Maura shares how being in a room for the first time with other adoptees was much more fulfilling than any of the many books she had read about the adoption experience. She came to understand that the community helps us as adoptees deal with the roller coaster of reunion beyond anything that researching the topic can offer us. Allow me to introduce you to Maura Duffy, one of my friends who happens to be adopted and has been with me the longest time during my journey of discovering how adoption has impacted our lives. Well, I'm so glad you said yes to a conversation with me, Maura. So good to kind of catch up with you because we haven't talked. Well, we talked maybe about a week ago or two. Yeah. Has it been maybe two weeks ago and got kind of caught up, but it had been a while since then. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we go way back to 2011 when we first met at that party on the north side. I don't think we got to really talk, but I do remember you being there. Do you remember? Yeah, that, that actually was my first time in a room with adopted people. Mm. Before that, I had never been in a room or even really that at least I knew of or could remember meeting adopted people. So that was the first time you were in a room full of adoptees. Yes. How did that, that... I knew of earlier in my life. I mean, I, I had met one person in high school who was adopted from, I think it was Korea, but we never really, we were just kind of like, oh, cool. Never really got into a conversation. But I would say that first time at Leona's was when I was in a group of adoptees and I was sort of like deer in headlights, like, oh my gosh, I want to talk to these people. <laughs> I don't know what to talk about. <laughs> That was a pretty special how event. How do I start a conversation? You know, how do I start a meaningful conversation? And I had brought a friend of mine with me and a couple of people did actually come up to me and started conversations with me. It was awesome. And I remember my friend showed up late and she's like, how is it going? I'm like, you just kind of stand here and you wait and people come up and talk to you. <laughs> 
I mean, when I think back to that, I mean, I was in my early 30s. You know, that was a very kind of childlike thing to say. But again, I just felt kind of very ill-prepared for what was going to be in store for the next 10 years after that and, and still moving forward. Later, going to your opening of your birth certificate, on the 16th of January in 2012, where I had opened my birth certificate for the first time earlier that day and found my birth mother and my search angel. She was putting in the work to locate her. And, you know, I got a call, I think later that evening that they had found her. Everything sort of <laughs> moved pretty quickly from that night at Leona's. I think that was in a joke. I think that was November, I want to say, of mm-hmm. 2011. Right. And then, and that, I think they called that, you know, the Carrier Express, where all of us filled out that paperwork and, you know, gave the money to, you know, to get our birth certificates. So, so um, did you go downstate? You didn't go to Springfield. I did not go to Springfield. Okay. I did not. I wanted to, but Again, I, I mean, I had just met people for the first time and did it where I would. I, I didn't know what I would do. So it was, it was a bit really, overwhelming, I bet. It was so overwhelming. And I was so naive. Adoption was never addressed in my childhood or anything. I mean, I remember being told by my dad I just have a memory of sitting on a pier with him next to me, you know, my legs sort of off the side of the pier, you know, sort of swinging them back and forth, looking at the water. And my dad reads me a book called uh, Why Was I Adopted by Carol Livingston. It was a child's book and... And then from there, that was the last thing, like that was the last time that it was ever talked about. I was born, um, I was born in December of 1977 on the south side of Chicago. And I was adopted from birth in a closed adoption, closed private adoption. And my parents already had, had a son. He would have been three and a half or four at the time and my parents were older. So they had had some uh, fertility issues and my mom was basically told that she wouldn't be able to have any more children. So they adopted me and then surprise, surprise, when you know the pressure is really off, my mom got pregnant and had uh, my sister who is 18 months younger than me. So I was a middle child and had two, an older brother and a younger sister, both of who were natural. That's so interesting. Yeah, like, I think you're the only person I know, like I know about births after the adoption or even before, but you're actually in the middle. I'm actually in the middle. So I mean, a lot of the time you hear them having older siblings or they don't have older siblings, they just have younger. It's never just in the middle. Right. You know, I have... (laughs) the added pleasure of being an adopted child and also being a middle child. Right. That was fun. (laughs) (laughs) But But you've um, always known, I mean, when you talk about your, your father, 
reading the book, you were how old? I, I would say I was probably like six or seven. Wherever we were, we were on vacation somewhere. Our uh, babysitter, who used to come with us on vacation, she's a good friend of our family. She would later tell me, you know, in my adulthood that she remembers that day. Mm. And she remembers me running in, telling her, you know, I'm adopted, I'm adopted. And, you know, almost like happy or, you know, whatever. So you never had questions? I had questions. I think I just suppressed them or I didn't really, I didn't want to hurt people. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to. I wanted to be a, a compliant person and just sort of go with, go with the flow. Right. Um, ironically, a lot of people, people who knew that one of the three of us was adopted, it wasn't really thought that it was me because I was brunette and short. My mom was five, was 4'11 with mm. brown hair. Mm. So... I easily, you know, fit in with the family, right. with my family. Yeah. Um, so it never was really addressed, I think, because of that. I do remember, God, maybe in like eighth grade, I went and, you know, like all of us had when we were, you know, in, in elementary school, we had the dreaded, where is your family from project mm-hmm. where you discuss, you know, your, your background and stuff like that. And where your, you know, your, your family came from. And my parents, my mom was straight off the boat from Ireland as was, and my dad's family was. So I always just got used to saying I'm a hundred percent Irish, but I tanned in the sun. I, I don't, I wouldn't say I look a hundred percent Irish. I don't, To me, that was just never something that I thought that I was. And I got, I was curious of what, what was my, what was my ethnicity? What was I? I remember, you know, my mom was in the family room and I went up and I talked to her and I asked her and she got kind of quiet and she told me, but she told me through tears, she was crying. I didn't understand why she was crying. But I knew kind of in my head, okay, this is something that I can't talk about. Mm -hmm. I remember as a kid, we always used to go on a summer vacation somewhere and I would look around wherever I was. I would look around at the pool for someone who looked like me, just constantly throughout my life looking for that Mm. and never really finding it. Even though my mom and I, you know, resembled each other in a small fraction with, you know, the brown hair and, and, you know, both being short and petite. It sounds like you were really in touch with the mirroring piece that that is important. Perhaps people not separated from the original family take for granted. Years later, when I eventually found my birth mother especially looking at seeing photos of her when she was in her 20s and, you know, even 30s. I, you know, I'm like, oh, my gosh. So you see yourself in her. Yeah, this is my, this could have been my doppelganger. She's taller than me, but (laughs) like the side profile, definitely I'm like, wow, my maternal birth grandmother she passed away and I ended up, I did end up going, I never met her, but I went to her 
wake service. There was, um, you know, revolving photos of her throughout her life of my maternal grandmother. And there was a picture of her in a wedding dress. And I literally like could feel almost my legs start to buckle because this woman, it was looking at myself Mm. in a wedding dress. It was scary. And I think non-adopted people don't even think about that. The power of mirroring and looking at someone that looks like you, it was overpowering Mm -hmm. to me. It was the craziest (laughs) <laughs> the craziest yeah. thing ever. I'm like, why does this woman look like me? That, you know? <laughs> um, it's a pretty big deal. Yeah, the mirroring piece. It's a huge deal. Mm-hmm. It's a huge deal. And I think probably wanting to talk about it, but not knowing how to. Mm-hmm. And I always, I felt a little different and sort of uncomfortable as a child when we would be around family especially my mom has a very large family in Ireland and she was actually the only person to uh, leave Ireland uh, of her siblings, of her 10 siblings and come to the United States. We went to Ireland one year and, and stayed with our aunts and uncles and we had a bunch of cousins and stuff like that. I just remember, you know, everyone talking about how much my brother and my sister and who they look like and this and that. And, and still to that day when we have cousins come in, there's always a little bit of that. And I sort of, you know, shrink down a little bit because it's not relevant to me. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit difficult, I would say, growing up sort of in the middle and with two natural kids in the family. And I was very different than them. I, they were very, they were very academic. I like to go out and have fun. I wasn't very academic. I think I, I had some issues when I was younger with, you know, a, a stutter and had to go to speech therapy. I think I probably had some learning issues, but again, it was never really addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there was this expectation by my dad, go to school, you go all the way, you know, you go through college and then you go on to a secondary, you know, secondary school after that. And, you know, you're either a lawyer or a doctor or something like that, something mm-hmm. that makes sense. So, you, you were raised um, in a very ambitious family. Yes. And it's not to say that my brother and sister are so similar But they are, there definitely are a lot more similarities than I would say that I have with them, especially when it comes to the academic portion of it. I just am a little bit more laid back in that. Like school wasn't my jam. It wasn't my thing. You know, that nature, nurture, was it in your mind that this is clearly nature, versus nurture, so to speak, because of the differences you were seeing between you and your siblings? I think in my childhood, I was just so oblivious Mm -hmm. and just so like putting this out of my mind and just burying these thoughts that I had. Mm -hmm. I think on some level, yes, for sure. The nature versus nurture aspect of it. And, And when I found my biological family, there are definitely things that I'm like, wow, like I thought this was a nurture thing. Like, wow, I definitely thought this was like a nurture thing, Mm -hmm. but gosh, I'm really this 
this is really speaking to me. I'm totally like this. Mm-hmm. So that part, I, I guess, didn't really like truly like kind of get into my bloodstream, the nurture versus nature aspect of it until later on in my life. And I kind of came out of the fog of what adoption is and was and really started to examine all the feelings I sort of pushed down deep down inside. You know, I was sort of working this out in my head as as an adolescent and even as a teenager, who I was, where I came from, and what that meant. Right. And so you are in full reunion with both sides, right? I am in reunion with my my, uh, birth mother's family. I have met my birth father who has passed away. Um, His mother and his siblings are still around. I don't, I'm connected with them on Facebook, but there isn't really, there gets a point when you start this journey and yeah, you can be okay with the person, like with the one always reaching out and putting yourself out there and asking, can we go to dinner or can we do this? But after a point, it gets exhausting and you want someone to meet you halfway. And Mm -hmm. sadly that didn't really happen with that family. If I want to see them, I sort of, I would need to reach out to them. Mm -hmm. Interesting enough. I do have two half sisters on my birth father's side. I have met them both. They both live on the South side of Chicago. The oldest one, she is 18 months younger than me. So the same as my my sister that I grew up with. Um, so that's interesting. She knew about me her whole life that I was out there and she had my birth mother's name, but sadly she spells it a sort of unique way and was never able to locate her to find out anything about me. We have a relationship. I have a relationship with my half siblings, but I think just a lot of time has passed. And again, it's like, I feel I need to do all the work with inviting them out or inviting them to do things. So yeah, that I, so I, I would say I'm more in reunion with my maternal side. And that was always sort of the dream. The dream was always about my birth mother. Cause you know, I was in her body for nine months. It never really was about him as much as it was with her. Mm-hmm. And when you saw your original birth certificate and her name was on there, how did it make you feel? Oh my, I was shell shocked. I mean, the Jean Strauss was filming, you know, a simple piece of paper. She was in my apartment with me. My sister, my very pregnant sister, was <laughs> sitting next to me, and I sort of like hand through the envelope at her, and I'm like, "You open it," <laughs> and she's like, "No, you do," and I'm like, "No, you do," and. arguing I was just nervous and I mean just a little bit of a backstory I was anticipating not getting anything I was anticipating everything sort of being redacted because I had been working with an intermediary Melissa Mitchell and I had been working with her and based on again I had said earlier that you know, I was so naive and I was, I got my non-identifying information, but I was so naive that I believed 
the dates on there were, in fact, his and hers birthdays. So we went off of those and found someone that sort of looked like me and actually reached out to this woman. And, you know, I had was asked to write, you know, a short letter, not be too emotional, but kind of saying who I was, you know, that was going out in this package that the intermediary was, was sending out. Within this package, it, it, it laid out, these are the next steps. Like, either you want to meet your daughter and you're really excited or it's not a good time or you're not the right person and you return all the information back, which also included, like, a questionnaire form about medical insurance, like, medical um, information, um, hobbies, you know, any, all of that kind of good stuff. And this letter, which had a picture of me in it. We never heard from that woman. We know we knew that she received it. She didn't send it back. And I sort of got it in my head that this was her. Mm-hmm. We didn't hear anything. And, and the intermediary and I decided, well, let's wait. And before we go at her again, or I call her, let's wait to get your, your uh, birth certificate. So having that piece of paper in my hand, looking at the simple thing. What time of day I was born? Mm -hmm. No idea. I was born in the morning. Was I given a name at at birth? I was not. It was just baby and, and my birth mother's last name. And then seeing her signature on it, there his his name was not on the document. Was the hospital's name the on the hospital's there? name, you know, I don't remember, but I do remember sometime in my adolescence I was my parents had my dad's office in our house that was a place that we weren't really allowed to play in but there was this cupboard that had all these papers and it had pictures and stuff like that and I remember looking through there once and I actually found my birth certificate not my original birth certificate my birth certificate my amended one with my parents name on it and it had the hospital that I was born at and I was like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm a South Sider. I'm not a North Sider. You know, anyone who's from Chicago, you know, North Side, South Side, Cubs, Sox, you know, that that was a big deal. And I was, I was, you know, I was a, a Cubs fan. But to find out that I was born on the South Side, I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You're right. We can relate. Chicagoans can relate to that. Oh, totally, totally. So. <laughs> I know seeing the signature of my birth mom on that document was just really something. And Militia said something recently to me that I didn't even think of, that it is a good idea to have that document when it comes to engaging with other birth family because there's there's no disputing that. Like when they want to say, no, that she didn't have a baby or that didn't happen or, you know, that signature, her signature on there is kind of like, okay, all right. I was just overcome with emotion. And then, you know, being invited by the filmmaker to go to your event and being there with all these adopted people. And I'm from your party. I, you know, made lifelong friendships. With I'm so glad you were there. there. Yeah. I'm and I mean, it was just an awesome party. <laughs> yeah, it really was. It, and, and you all made it awesome being there because I had no idea of what to really expect. You don't have those kind of part, that kind of party 
every day. And uh, I even remember my family and friends, they didn't really know what to expect, but they said it was a party that they won't ever forget because you all were there, you know, to see other adoptees, to see the community come out like that. Like, I, I still get moved when I think about it. So, yeah. I can close, I can close my eyes and I can still <laughs> see you on that stage. And right before you're about to open that document, your head kind of did something and you were like, oh, wow, wow. Yeah. And, you know, you just kind of got quiet and then your eyes, you know, lit up as you're looking at this document. I can still see that mm-hmm. today if mm-hmm. I close my eyes. Mm. It was just such a beautiful moment. And a, and a moment that, unfortunately, so many of our fellow adoptees don't get. Right. And I just, you know, I, I, I'm not sure if it was uh, represent, Representative Sarah Feigenholden that said it, but, like, the world didn't end when <laughs> Illinois adopted. There was no bomb. Right. There was no one that I know of that showed up with, you know, with a machete to someone's house and was like, you gave me for adoption, you know. How, right. It was, for, for the most part, the small majority I've met that are from the film, that we were all that we were in there it was joy it Mm -hmm. wasn't you know it was knowing who you were where you came from the fact that other people still don't have that information is just mind-boggling in this day and age yeah when you have open adoption and birth mothers become a part of the family I, I I have quite a few friends that have actually adopted children, and it has been a pleasure to be part of their lives and their child's lives. Hopefully, as they get older and if they have questions that they don't feel that they can go to their parents about, they can they have me who I they can talk to if there's something going on that they feel uncomfortable talking about. I wish I had had that. Yeah, I'm so glad adoptees are speaking out more now. Uh, because if we don't, then people don't have a resource, like a real reliable resource in right. in what this really means to be separated. They're like a lot of things, the muraling we talked about, and, and just the fact that you do have differences by nature. No matter how great the nurturing is, there's going that element is real, and right. and you just can't overlook it. And, and there should right. be a conversation as your, as your child is going. They should feel like it's a comfortable environment to ask questions. Because I, like you, we really didn't talk about it. Like it was just kind of like it is. I have always known. I can't remember not knowing. And at the same time, it wasn't like I could sit down at the dinner table and say, well, you know, I just want to talk about adoption for a little while. You know, like that wasn't going <laughs> to <laughs> that wasn't gonna happen. Like. Because it was almost like I knew, yeah, I knew through and through that we're not going to talk about that. Right. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I'm glad, too. I have friends who have come to me. They, they're interested in adopting or, or have adopted. And, and I'm glad they are asking us. But publicly, like when you decided to do the film with Gene Strauss, A Simple Piece of Paper, you really had to make a decision, as I did, to be public. And so how how did you arrive to say yes? I just, <laughs> and I can't say this more than I have already. It's, I'm so naive. <laughs> I literally thought that 
once I heard about the film and once I started looking, I, you know, learned about the film and, and, and my um, intermediary asked me if I wanted to be a part of it. And I had learned through her that other states didn't and other adoptees didn't. I just kind of thought that I didn't really put a lot of thought into, gosh, like this is our one of our civil rights. We should be able to have this this piece of paper. Why can't we? And it kind of made me mad, but I didn't really realize any of this at you know, a high level. I just didn't know. And I thought, you know, I'm going to do this because other people don't have the chance to do it. And that's how I sort of arrived at, at, at that decision. So you um, thought that by participating in the film that it could help other states yes, that, that understand. Yes, that was my main goal. Yeah. Um, and what I wanted to do. And I'm so glad that I had, that I did it. I wish I would have been a little bit more vulnerable, but I was still, my parents were both alive at that time. And I still very much was in a place of trying to protect them, you know, and not coming across as the, you know, the angry adoptee or anything like that, or the confused adoptee. I never wanted to hurt them. That was, what was that? That was in 2012 I did that. That was a long time ago. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've learned so much more about myself since then, you know, really being in reunion has sort of forced me to face some of these demons that I probably didn't want to look at before or even knew that were really there. You know, the most surprising thing is just the level of of hurt that still is there. And I'm not angry at, I'm not angry at anyone, mm-hmm. but there's just still such this level of hurt that comes from abandonment, low self-worth, you know, low self-esteem, sort of that all stuff. And like learning that that is all because of this one event that I don't remember. Mm, I'm glad Um, you shared that because I believe that is how many adoptees feel, even into their 30s. And like you say, it's just being in reunion. There's no hiding it there's no escaping it it's just and it surprised me that it comes to you know has really come to the surface and I'm like god that is why I hold my friendship so tight mm-hmm. and so like almost like you know petty them like you know mm-hmm. uh like from the movie you know my precious like I, you know like I, and I'm very my friends would tell you I'm extremely loyal and I think that that is because I'm being compliant and, you know, wanting to, you know, wanting my friends and, you know, not to leave me mm-hmm. in some way. It's been an issue pretty much my whole life, I would say, the, the abandonment part, you know, through friendships and also romantic relationships and not really ever being able to attach or just really kind of let go. There's always that fear oh my God, they're going to leave me. They're going to find out something about me and they're going to leave me. You and I have talked a lot about that. Yeah. And, you know, we've spent so much time through the years doing different events together when we went to the Cub uh, event. And it was at Orange County, I think. Yeah. And then we've been to... Carlsbad. Carlsbad. Yeah, Carlsbad. And then we've done an AAC conference and... Mm -hmm. We just spent a lot of time and then just hanging out up north. 
So uh, we've talked about that. The support group we started. Yeah, the support group. Yeah, like we've really had opportunity to unpack a lot of things and talk about it. And like you, I think there are ways that I have been and sometimes still am that are connected to the trauma, the loss. Because I too like like end it if I think it's going to end. Yeah. Yeah, like and the other party is probably not even thinking that, but I've got this issue with abandonment or or separation and yeah, really struggling with that in um personal relationship. I remember you gave in one of our discussions, you gave a a perfect analogy of what it's like, you know, especially with a romantic partner. You had said one of my, you know, partners had said to me, you know, you never, you left your luggage at the door and you never unpacked it. Mm. And I thought that was a perfect way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the, the luggage is always there. You're always ready to leave, ready to run quickly <laughs> as you can and never really wanting to unpack it and get comfortable because you might, you're, you're going to get left mm-hmm. or, you know, you need to take off soon right. as things come real. And that, thank goodness, I have an adoption competent therapist who has helped me to work through some of these issues. That has been a lifesaver. I don't know what I would do if I, and she's actually an adoptee as well. Mm. Totally wow. So she gets it. Cause mm-hmm. oftentimes, and I don't know if you have this issue, but I, when I talk to my friends, about what I'm going through or this or that, it's hard for them. Some of them I've really spent the time to, you know, try and explain it. But there's still sometimes that, well, you've had such a great life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get you know, that. I get that. It's a form of gaslighting, and I hate to say that, mm-hmm. but, um, and it's not meant that way. Right. It's just a different, and what my answer has always been, it's just a different life. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the other life would have been with if I had stayed with my birth mother, if I had stayed with my birth father, or even if my parents had decided that, you know, if they didn't have the fertility issue. There's just so many what ifs and ands out there that it's just unfair to say, well, you've had this this great life, you know, aren't you grateful for it? Yeah. Um, and and I think it is difficult for anyone who is not adopted to get it. Like I, I'm I'm kind of like I have a resolve that that's not gonna happen. In fact I was talking to my son last week and asking him would he want to search if he were adopted would he want to search for his birth mom and he said I really he said I really can't because I can't it's like he couldn't even imagine that you know because that's just not his experience he just you know it's one thing to be able to kind of maybe put yourself in someone's shoes but this is a big that's a big question and Mm -hmm. and a lot of people who are not adopted, they just can't picture that. Like not, I, and I get it. Like, how could you picture not knowing your birth mom? <laughs> you know, like when you've known her, when you've known right. her, like you just can't even really picture that. So I don't think they, yeah, they don't know how it feels. And then, like you say, you know, I had all kinds of things that a lot of people don't have growing up. And so when they're on the outside looking in at all this stuff you have that maybe they don't have or they think mm-hmm. you have so much more, they're like, what is your problem? Like, you know, like, right. you know, like, <laughs> like you had this, that, you know, I had a really good education. Like I did. I had all of that. And, and I don't take any of that for, for granted. And I don't either. Adoption leaves a hole. 
Yeah. It leaves a hole and you're forced to try and fill it. I I don't think that it ever can get filled. I think it's a lifelong journey. Mm -hmm. It affects the whole triad of, of people, you know? Yeah. What do you think is the most valuable thing you've learned in, in reunion? Oh, how important connection is. Connection to the adoptee world mm. is, is paramount yeah. to getting, to going through reunion. I mean, I thought that I could just read a bunch of books to find out what was happening, what was going to happen. <laughs> right. And I could kind of plan plan this out, how it was going to go. I read, I mean, I listened to, um, I, I read, I looked things up on the internet. I looked at blogs. This was before podcasts came out. You know, I did all the researchy type things. I'm very well read <laughs> about adoption, <laughs> but you can't read or study the the connection, the connection. when an adoptee is in a room with another an adoptee oh, that's so, and they are strangers that's a so true happens and you feel you are with someone who you have, you have known your whole life i mean i have told adoptees that i haven't that i, that I met on the first time mm-hmm. i have told them things that i haven't told some of my family or my friends because mm-hmm. they just they get it right, it's right. not as intimidating because not that my family or you know my friends would judge some of the things I say but you know I don't have to see any hurt you know in my in my brother or sister or, you know my parents eyes if I were to have said something the community of adoptees is just so important to getting through reunion mm. I don't think I could have done it if, and I mean, and it, it, it's not an easy thing meeting and finding your birth parents. It, it's not an easy process. It's mm-hmm. not, you know, what Lifetime or Hallmark Channel portrays that you're running through this, this forest, right. <laughs> running through this meadow of sunflowers and it's slow motion and you're running. I mean, it's, you're dealing with another human being and there's a lot, there's trauma on their side, whether they've dealt with it or not. And, you know, and you're meeting with people later in their life they've had a whole lifetime right you weren't a part of someone just recently described it is you're walking into the middle of their movie yes without reading the first part of the book yeah yeah i I so get that so much has gone on in both Mm -hmm. both lives when i first started my reunion with my birth mother, I was steadfast and I don't want to look back. We don't need to deal with any of, you know, the pain or my relinquishment or anything that happened. We, we don't, I don't want to talk about any of that. Let's continue where we are now. And I don't think that that was the right thing to do. The fact that I thought that that's where we could st- start off is just very unhealthy. But it was no way for you to know. I mean, you, you're, this is new territory, and oh, it, totally, yeah. You don't, you don't even know really what is best. So this, the connection is just so important. I agree. And self care because it is hard work, and it's a balancing game. So the connection to the adoptee world has just been. I couldn't. I, I, I like anyone who is going through. A reunion or looking for their birth family, I wholeheartedly say you need to connect your people, connect with your people. <laughs> you need to connect 
with the adoption tribe. Yeah, that's a really good point you make about you can read because I'm a reader. I can run through books like crazy. I enjoy it. Like you did, did a lot of research back in 2009. I think I even started in 08. Uh, so by the time I got my birth certificate, I'm like, man, I've read, 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 read. I've learned. I know, you know, reading won't get you through it. And no. when you said that, I thought about the party when everybody came out. Like, that's not in a book. Like what we all no. experienced at that event. You're not going to read that. You know, you're not going to experience it in the way we did. The electricity of that moment together was everything. Right. Because we do get each other and, and my family and friends. I'm so glad they were there. But I tell you, I, I get so emotional knowing that you all were there. Yeah. I mean, I, we even our little group that were in the documentary when we all went to Springfield, you know, what was that, five years later? Mm, yeah, I think it was either the fourth or fifth anniversary. Yeah, all the people were there. Yeah. And, you know, it was awesome. <laughs> it was. People that I haven't seen since we were all together at when they had the premiere here in Chicago. You know, we hadn't seen each other. And it was, I really feel like that they're an extension of my, you know, my family. We all kind of went through this together and and the um, proof is in the pudding because listen we're still you and I are still connected all these years yeah. later we have so many memories mm -hmm. since we first connected with the community there are a lot of people in my life that if it if I hadn't been adopted I probably wouldn't know them no you just <laughs> go on and it's pretty beautiful thing it you is know, that we all have this connection, all our stories are very different. Very different. But we are bonded over this one thing because the feelings are the same. Yeah, yeah. The feelings are the same. It's that, se but, that separation, that, that first trauma, yeah. which is a really big one. Well, is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to share with me or with adoptees in, in general? I would just say... <laughs> Again, that connection, reach out. There are such great, there are great support groups on Facebook. There are so many tools out there that, you know, I wish they would have been around <laughs> when I was going through this. Perhaps I could have done it a little bit more graciously. Just take care of yourself. Don't doubt yourself. What you're feeling is real. You know, there's nothing wrong with you. Those are basically the things that I would say is like self-care and connecting to other adoptees is just the most important thing that you can do. I agree. And if you are looking for a therapist, make sure that they are an adoption competent therapist. Mm-hmm. Well said. Because it really does make a difference. It makes a huge difference. Yeah. Well, very good. Thank you, Mara, for, for having thank us. Thank you so much, Jennifer. This was great. Yeah. Thank great you for talk to you. having the conversation with me. Mora is a ride or die adoptee when it comes to the adoption community. I appreciate how she's passionate about other adoptees being on the quest for their beginnings. Her wish is that all adoptees be able to request and receive their original birth certificate. I couldn't agree more. Those of us in Illinois back in 2011 know that the bill wasn't perfect, but it passed, allowing thousands upon thousands of us the opportunity to see our OBC document for the first time, and the world didn't come to an end. It is our prayer 
that in the very near future, all adoptees in the 50 states will be able to rejoice in knowing their true identity. After all, it's a human right to do so. Thank you, Mara, for creating the time to have a conversation with me. It felt like old times when we talked, laughed, and learned over a glass of wine about how we're coming to understand. Who am I, really? If you like Once Upon a Time in Adoptee Land, leave a review, subscribe, give a rating, tell a friend or someone who you believe might find value in it. Remember to share this podcast on social media to spread the word. Hashtag Adoptee Land.